one of the things that we are hearing from our alumni who are working church pastors uh, is they are overwhelmed just trying to get people back to church. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer, along with my co-host and turtle tamer, Mark Kaler. Today, we talk to Joe Emick and Shane Nichols from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary about grad school marketing. Yeah, Troy, this was a good conversation. I think that uh, there's so many different schools are relying uh, either their their graduate schools and seminaries alone, like like Garrett is, or they are uh, the graduate and the graduate programs are you know, an addendum to colleges and, and universities. And a lot of, a lot of schools are using those to kind of bolster up and, and kind of uh, impact the bottom line. And I think one of the good conversations that we had today was just about the, the uniqueness of being able to market and do communications for graduate level schools, whether it's a seminary or whether it's your graduate school of medicine or whatever it might be. But I think there's a unique aspect of how to market that, not only for enrollment standpoint, but also communicate it for development. So it's a really good conversation to hear how Joe, the vice president of, of development, works really closely with Shane Nichols, who's the director of marketing at Garrett. Thanks, Bart. Let's get into the conversation with Shane and Joe. It is my pleasure to welcome Joe Emick and Shane Nichols to the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. They are coming to us from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. And gentlemen, if one of you would, just give us a brief overview of Garrett, and then individually, if you can tell us your roles. Sure. Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, we are founded in 1853, and uh, we reside smack dab in the middle of the campus of Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. We, in essence, grew up together. We do maintain our own identity and our own faculty, but share a lot of resources with Northwestern University. And our primary objective is to prepare uh, religious and faith leaders for ministry in the church and in the academy and the world. So uh, a variety of ministry settings and what have you. Thank you, Shane. And how many students do you currently serve? Uh, We serve on average about 400 students a year. Thank you. And we are speaking to Shane. What is your role at Garrett? Sure. I am the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Garrett Evangelical. This is actually this month was my 17th year, uh, starting my 17th year here at the seminary. And when I started, I was doing a lot in alum relations and development. And in 2010, started heading up the Marketing and Communications Office and have been in that role ever since. Thank you, Shane. We also have Joe Emick with us. Hello, Joe. Hi, Troy. Hi, Bart. Good to see you guys again. Thank you. Great seeing you with you could let the listeners know what your role is, and then we'll get started with the conversation. Sure. Uh, I serve the seminary as the vice president for development, and that entails all the traditional roles and responsibilities that someone responsible for fundraising and alumni engagement has in higher education. I have been in higher ed advancement work for almost 25 years, uh, but while Shane is uh, one of Garrett's grizzled veterans, I'm a relatively uh, new addition to the team. I've been with Garrett for three and a half years. Great. 
And uh, just just so everybody knows, uh, Joe and I have have worked together before, and we've known each other for several years. And so it's good to good to get back together with you, Joe. Thanks for being on the show. I think when we were first talking, you know, before we got onto the uh, recording, talking a little bit about uh, I think Garrett and seminaries in general, and and I don't want to, I don't want people to think about oh this is just a, a podcast about seminaries, but it's it's actually a little bit broader because I think one of the challenges that a lot of schools have is that whether you're a seminary, a graduate school, or even a small private, there's a challenge because the market seems to be getting smaller and shrinking sometimes, our audiences do. And so one of the things that I wanted to just kind of start the conversation about is uh, how are you at Garrett, you know, both Shane and Joe, how are you both kind of addressing this idea of a, of a shrinking market and shrinking audiences? Because, I mean, it's happening everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly happening everywhere. And all signs at this point in time keep pointing that uh, it will only get smaller. So the challenges are real and uh, something we take a look at. The biggest thing for us that we do is uh, events. And what I mean by that is, how, you know, how do we get the institution in front of people that may not even know that Garrett is a thing, right? And so from our development stance, we, we, we spend uh, a lot of effort uh, on Ministry Sundays, which is an opportunity to be able to, uh, you know, honor a particular alum or pastor uh, so that we can then introduce the seminary to congregations. From the admission side of the house, this last fall, we've hosted five different events that were all uh, hybrid online events um, to be able to introduce prospective new students. And so for us, it's about getting the institution in front of people and doing so with engaging content and events is one of the primary ways that we've really been able to, to go at that, to expand uh, our audience. And then, of course, we're doing all the traditional things you would expect from a marketing office in the way of paid advertising, social media, and uh, engaging content, stories, website creation, all of those good fun things that, that you would expect to do. And so, so we do a lot of that on top of trying to just tell the story to any and everybody. That's great. And I, I guess I would ask you, Joe, because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what Shane is saying is that, you know, a lot of times you're kind of going, I like to call it the watering holes that your perspective, prospective audiences, whether it's your prospective students or prospective donors. I love the fact that, you know, the watering hole for Garrett seems to be these churches that you can do these ministry Sundays or ways to honor some of your alumni. Is that, has that been a successful strategy as far as these watering holes, Joe? Historically, the Ministry Sundays, uh, Shane described, have been incredibly successful for us. So uh, the way they work is we identify alumni who are pastors in milestone years of their ministry. It's almost like a class reunion list. And we take nominations for them to be honored with a Ministry Sunday. It's really honoring somebody, for example, who's had a very effective ministry for 25 years or 30 years. The seminary then establishes a scholarship in that person's name. We put in the first $1,000, and then we invite members of the congregation to contribute to the scholarship fund. We have over 600 individual endowed scholarship funds at Garrett Evangelical, and a good number of those were started through these Ministry Sunday programs. The challenge we have right now is with Ministry Sundays is really COVID-related. So uh, one of the things that we are hearing from our alumni who are working church pastors uh, is they are overwhelmed just trying to get people back to church. So even as churches reopen, uh, people sort of liked online church and people have continued to attend church online rather than coming back to the pews. Pastors are reluctant to bring in any sort of outside endeavor at this point. 
so where we, we in the past maybe did anywhere from six to eight of these in a year, we're maybe doing two or three or four this year. I'm hopeful that will change in the spring. So historically, it's been successful. It's been a great way to identify new donors. And the last year or so, it's been a little more difficult just because of the access to churches because of COVID. And I guess, Shane, are you finding uh, opportunities even from an enrollment standpoint at some of these Sundays as well? Uh, yes, we have. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to do some crossover between the worker development and admissions um, uh, and enrollment. So, so there's definitely uh, possibilities there. Uh, I will say to go back to your original question, we also, of course, we, we spend a lot of time uh, working with alums and, and, and they are our biggest influencers time and time again. So we hear often from our current students, you know, why Garrett? <laughs> and, and often time and time again, they will say, because an alum said, go check out Garrett. So, so we spend a lot of time and effort there. And so then with these ministry Sundays, being able to honor alums, it just helps that cycle of potential students come through. So, so that piece has been great for us. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, the classic networking in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's the idea of who knows who and, and how can you connect those people together. And I'm sure that, you know, your other marketing plays into that, whether it's, you know, pay-per-click or, or digital or other things that, you know, you've got a brand awareness that you're building, but then actually to be on site on a Sunday or have a pastor be able to say, go check out Garrett, I think that does make a big difference. So that's that's a pretty cool way to go about it. Speaking of the why Garrett, in previous conversations, we've talked about the different branding and communication messages that you have to have for the different types of um, people that you're speaking to, because I think there, in your history, there was a merger. So if you could kind of give everyone a history, or should I say a description of that history and that merger, and then we can talk about the challenges that it uh, gives you in when you are going out to talk to them, speak to them, and market and develop. Troy, I appreciate your giving Shane and me the opportunity to talk about this because I, I think it's a fascinating case study in higher ed branding and audience identification. Some of this is going to make uh, the traditional branding folks out there listening a little squeamish, I think, when I describe what we do, but it really does work for us. So some quick history, as you mentioned, Troy, our current seminary, Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, is really the merger of two seminaries. So uh, some quick church history. The United Methodist Church was formed in the late 1960s when what was then the Methodist Church merged with the Evangelical United Brethren, more commonly known as the EUB, to form the United Methodist Church. At the time, Garrett Biblical Institute in Evanston, Illinois, where we are now, was the Methodist Seminary in the Chicago area, an Evangelical Theological Seminary in Naperville, Illinois, in the west suburbs of Chicago, uh, was the EUB Seminary. And of course, it didn't seem necessary to have two seminaries for one denomination in the same metro area. So the two seminaries merged and it became what we are now, Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. Uh, our name is hyphenated, so it's Garrett-Evangelical, and that's a pretty much a historic name for us. That merger happened in the early to mid-1970s, so we still have a lot of living alumni from the former Evangelical Theological Seminary and the former EUB denomination. Uh, and I like to call this perhaps the most successful merger in the history of higher education uh, because those alumni from the 
former ETS uh, are very loyal. They're very faithful, very generous. We have several uh, members of our board of trustees who are from that seminary. We have a lot of leadership donors who are from uh, that seminary. And so it is important for us to honor that legacy and honor that name. As you might imagine, in our current political climate, though, from a recruiting standpoint, the word evangelical and its connotations work against us more often than not. And so we really have dual branding at the seminary. Uh, all of development's materials, uh, our business cards, the way we identify ourselves and where we work is Garrett Evangelical. And if we don't identify ourselves that way, people call us on it. So it's very important to maintain that legacy. Uh, for our admissions folks, sometimes people walk right by the event table if they see the word evangelical. And so my colleagues in admissions, their materials, their business cards, the way in which they identify themselves is Garrett Theological Seminary. So we almost really have two branding tracks and marks here at the seminary. Bart, I realize that is not branding 101 in any, <laughs> in any traditional way, but it is critically important for us and, and it works. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, I, we have, uh, you know, we've got guests all across the spectrum and uh, we talked with Asbury, which is an evangelical seminary a few weeks ago, and, and they told us a little bit about how they market. This is a different audience. And so, you know, as I'm, as I'm having, you know, some of the listeners listening, you know, there's different audiences. And I think this is part of marketing higher education is knowing who your audience is, being able to market to your audience effectively to be able to match up the mission fit students. You know, a mission fit student that might be going to Moody isn't going to necessarily be looking at Garrett. The same with Garrett students are not going to be looking at Moody. And so being able to differentiate yourselves through branding is going to be critical so that your admissions team and, and you're not burning through the admissions team on a lot of people that are not naturally going to fit. And so I think, I think part of it is, and Shane, you can kind of weigh into this, is really being able to position yourself in a way that you can be authentic who you are to the audience that's going to be your tribe that's going to come and join you and making that as clear as possible. And I think, yeah, Joe, to your point, it's not, it's not historical branding, but it is solving a problem of branding. And I think that's really good. Shane, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I, I will say we have, um, I mean, for several years, several decades now, we have taken the initial effort just to even define the word evangelical and what that means here in our context, right? So to Joe's point, yes, very much it is in relation to ETS and the merger. But beyond that, we, we, I mean, we've done some campaigns where we went so far as back to go back to the original Greek, right, and the Greek meaning of the word evangelical. And so, so we've tried to do our piece in, in educating prospective students uh, and a variety of constituents that we serve and what that word really means here within our context, right? But despite all of those efforts uh, with the political climate as it is, you can imagine that is truly a David and uh, Goliath type situation. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. I mean, that, that word has actually gotten hijacked, in yes, my opinion. Yes, and so, so um, I, I, you know, yeah, I can speak to that. Absolutely. So that really did put us in a, in a position of having to really think through then um, exactly as you say, who is our audience and how do we make sure that we're getting the right fit for, for who the kind of student is that we're looking to, to serve. Great. And I know that, you know, some of the things too, I know when we talked earlier, just the idea of part of that dis differentiating your brand. And I think that Joe, you did a great job describing that on how you've done that just even through business cards and things like that, but also being able to recognize those different audiences and those different generation groups and the alumni base. And then also being able to even recognize, I guess, that 
not all your donors are going to come from your your alumni base. And so being able to pivot and maybe do a little bit of a dance with the brand too is important. Is that is that kind of the way you find it, Joe, when you are communicating? Uh, I, I do, Bart. And I think that's less about the overall brand and more about how we tell the story. So I, I mentioned to you in an earlier conversation, we have a relatively small donor base because we're a relatively small institution as a seminary, but it's one of the most complex donor bases I've worked with just for the reasons you described. So we have our alumni who have been incredibly generous and faithful over the years. We've always enjoyed a relatively high alumni giving percentage. As you might imagine, uh, most of our alumni are pastors, and so their current giving capacity is not huge by most major gift standards, but they give, and they give generously to their capacity. That also puts them in a position of being good plan giving donors down the road. So we also have a very robust plan giving pipeline. Our major gifts, our major outright gifts, those in particular that have driven campaigns, as folks might also imagine, typically have come from lay folks uh, who've been introduced to us through the ways we talked about earlier. And so those really are two different approaches to connecting people at the seminary. You know, when we engage our alumni, it's just like engaging alumni elsewhere in higher ed advancement. It's understanding what their experience was here. It's trying to find the right marriage between their interests and their good feelings about their experience here and the ways in which the seminary prepared them to be effective in their ministry. For our lay donors, it tends to be more broadly about good clergy leadership and the church. So most of the, the lay folks who support us either had family members who were Garrett graduates, they were preacher's kids, or they had a grandparent who was a Garrett grad, and they want to honor that legacy. Or uh, they are people of faith who have been influenced in a positive way by a pastor who was a Garrett grad, and they want there to continue to be good clergy leaders in the church. And that's what drives their philanthropy to Garrett Evangelical. So those are, those are two slightly different stories to tell and points of engagement uh, within our donor base. And then Shane might be able to comment on this as well. He's a Garrett graduate as well. I think even among our alumni, we're starting to see some differences, marked differences generationally. And I think that's largely because of the way in which ministry has changed over the last 10 to 15 years and will continue to change. So uh, our mid-career to older alumni uh, went through very traditional seminary education and went into very traditional church pastor roles. Our uh, more recent alumni and our future alumni are in degree programs that are more diverse than a Master's of Divinity. They are engaged in ministries that are very different than leading a church as a pastor. And I think that changes uh, the way we think about engaging them relative to their experience at the seminary, and that it also changes the way we reach them and connect with them in what are very different ministries than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up on that and just say it's the marketing trends in and around targeting, right? We've been having to target around here uh, uh, for quite some time, and that work only, gets, uh, only becomes more. So target, target, target is a lot of what's behind um, how we brand and who we uh, communicate to. That's great. And I, that kind of brings me to the last conversation that I wanted to have with you was the idea that, you know, you talk about targeting and talking about, we talked about the watering holes and some of the other things and different ways of marketing to 
to this 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 post traditional audience, you know, folks who are graduate level. Uh, it's it's different, and and I, I'd like to have you you know talk to this Shane and, and Joe. It's different how you're going to be marketing to graduate students than you would to traditional undergrads. I mean, traditional undergrads, you know, you got your ACT test, your SAT test. Even though they're going test optional, there's still places that you can go and buy lists, and you can you can still have the college fairs. You still have some other things, but it's a different it's a different ball game when you get to the graduate marketing. So, Shane, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, how, I know this is something that's ongoing, but what's your thinking on that? Yeah, we're definitely uh, a work in progress forever. But I will say, uh, it, just thinking through lists, as you said that, you know, I, I, there are traditional lists that we can get from denominational uh, structures and right, right, for those who are pursuing ordination or what have you. So so in those ways, there there's some access to lists that we would have and we have had to for, for decades. But those lists, honestly, are shrinking, right? Um, there are less people who are going and pursuing ordination and wanting to work in the church. And so that really forces us to then have to rethink where do we find new audiences. And so again, part of that is events-driven, a part of that is is traditional marketing messaging and what have you. And beyond that, we have got the same way the someone at the undergraduate level might recruit at high schools, we often find ourselves recruiting at colleges, right? So we've got a recruiter who's going out and and covering as many universities, in particular, their campus ministries or their uh, departments of religion and trying to meet with them as much as possible. So so there is um, a, a heavy recruitment that happens. Uh, and so for us, the, the biggest thing I would say behind all of that is that it comes down to trying to hit marketing messaging, what have you, at a large level. But honestly, the vast majority of this work happens on one-to-one conversations, right? It's all about relationship building. And that is what has been uh, at the center of both our development and enrollment efforts has been that one-to-one conversation. Isn't that interesting that um, with all of our technology today and, you know, we talk about all these different systems and CRMs that can do all this automation, which I, I believe in and I think it's important. But the reason I think automation is important to, is to free up the individuals to have the one-to-one conversations. And uh, it seems to me that's something you guys are leaning into. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I will tell you, having, again, worked in the development side of the of this work, uh, we have been blessed with a robust development program here at the seminary for some time. And, you know, other seminaries would call us and they would ask, what do you do? Uh, and, and I think they would often be disappointed because our response was, uh, we spoke to someone and asked. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they were hoping there was some kind of magic tool or magic software some or something, right? That you subscribe to. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but at the end of the day, you pick up the phone or you uh, pay them a visit, right? So That's great. Anything you would add to that, Joe, as far as just kind of the difference between the traditional versus the graduate level? From a fundraising standpoint, Seminary fundraising really requires uh, very careful attention to stewarding the relationship. So to Shane's point about one-on-one conversations, uh, developing long-term relationships and stewarding those relationships carefully. I, I mean, I you know, you hear that at you go to the case conference and you hear that, right? As uh, fundamental for fundraising. But I think it's even more important uh, at Garrett Evangelical. So you know, we are, uh, most of our alums are, this is at best their second alma mater, maybe it's their third, maybe it's even their fourth. Uh, our alumni, because of what they do, are engaged in lots of other uh, community work, nonprofit work, and so they're getting asked a lot. And so maintaining the relationship, 
uh, and really thinking about the giving relationship long-term. So I mentioned those scholarship funds that we have. Many of those scholarship funds are built over time. Rarely do we get a single gift to fully endow a scholarship fund. Usually somebody's built that over time. And so it's very much just continuing to build a relationship and encourage people to continue to support the scholarship fund and build it over time. And so for me, compared to the other places I've been in higher education, that's probably the biggest difference is the personal, ongoing personal touches to carefully steward the relationship uh, are critically important, probably more so than they are at other places I've been. That's great. That's good to know that. So we traditionally close our episodes by giving our guests an opportunity to offer a final thought or a, a takeaway that could be implemented or something that you believe would be helpful to others like you that are listening. And if I could start with you, Joe, if there's a final thought or takeaway that you would like to share. So my philosophy about development work has always been development work is not rocket science, even though there's a cottage industry turning it into rocket science. At the end of the day, it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's building relationships, it's telling the institution's story, and it's inviting people to participate with their philanthropy. And so I don't have a wow, innovative, cutting edge idea for you. What I have uh, to suggest, particularly in the environment in which we've been raising money in the last year and a half, now almost two years in a time of COVID, is I think this may be the most important moment of the last two years to make sure organizations are asking. The stock market is doing very well. People are giving, people are giving at higher levels. Uh, lots of economic markers for a lot of people are starting to improve. People I think are in a philanthropic mood. Most places now I think staffs are able to get out and travel again and see people face to face. And so my, my biggest takeaway from what we've seen this year and what I, I'm seeing more broadly is I think a return to fundamentals. Get out, see people, engage, and give them the opportunity to give. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, I really appreciate that too, Joe. So we are Marketing Communications Office of Two, and we can geek out about tools all day long as well. Uh, so, but, but you know, we do a lot. We produce a, a, a magazine four times a year. Uh, there's email strategies, there's social media, there's maintaining the website, you know, there's content, and, you know, the whole shebang. And so for uh, two full-time people doing that, I think a lot about quality and quantity. And so for us, what whenever somebody asks, how do you all maintain, how do you do, and my words of advice time and time again is do one thing and do it unbelievably well. And once that's rolled within your daily habit, then pick up a second thing, then pick up a third thing, right? But, but I always, uh, that's my words of advice for anyone who's in this field, better to do one thing unbelievably well than try and do five things subpar. Thank you, Shane. And while we have the microphone, or while you have the microphone, would love to ask you if someone would like to be in contact with you or reach out, what would the best way for them to contact you be? Sure. You can uh, find me uh, by email at shane.nichols at garrett.edu. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, the handle is shane0206. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. 
Uh, the best way to reach me is by email, uh, joe.emick, that's E-M-M-I-C-K, at garrett.edu, and Garrett's two R's and two T's. I am also on various social media platforms and LinkedIn, but I tend to be a social media stalker rather than poster, <laughs> so I don't want to quote my handles because I'm not sure I'll get them right. Thank you both for sharing your time with us today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Bart, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? Yeah, I just want to kind of echo some of what uh, what both Joe and Shane talked about today. Getting back to fundamentals, I mean, I think that you know a lot of what we talked about, whether it was on the development side or whether it was on the enrollment, it comes down to that marketing and communications basics of it's all about relationships. I mean, it's about identifying the people in the tribe and building relationships with them from a, from an enrollment standpoint. And it's from then, you know, getting out and face-to-face and engaging in relationships with people on the development side and and being able to not, you know, both sides not being afraid to ask, not being afraid to ask someone to give, not being afraid to ask someone to apply. Um, just a lot of really good basic things here, blocking and tackling on how to do basic higher ed marketing. And I think uh, it's a really good, uh, really good reminder for us. So Joe and Shane, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. Good to be with you, Troy and Bart. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. That brings us to the end of our episode. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency for over 20 years, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution company that combines print and digital marketing for higher ed campaign solutions. On behalf of Bart Kaler, my name is Troy Singer. Thanks again for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.